This morning in James chapter number one and uh, the truth that they just sang about the good works, the good works. Many people do good works to be seen of men, but the good works that we're supposed to do are to be seen so that God would be glorified, not so that we would receive praise, that we would receive that pat on the back, that we would look good but that he would look good. Amen? That's what Jesus said, uh, that uh, let your light so shine before men, and uh, that they would glorify our Heavenly Father. And praise God for you today. And uh, it's time that we uh, would not approach this year or any year the same way that we have in the past if it's not worked out, okay? This is a new year. It's a great time to start uh, making those changes in our lives that we know that we need to make. Uh, maybe it's quitting something that we know that has been uh, a, a bad habit, has been a sin in our life. And, it's, and you might just say this morning, this is it. This is it. It's a new year. I'm going to do the right thing by God's grace, by His strength. We're going to have a different year and a different life from now on for God's glory. Amen. And may God be glorified through the changes that come to your home. And uh, every new year, we think of things that we want to change in the new year. We come up with ideas. We come up with goals. We scheme. We try to come up with a plan. You know, I'm not going to eat any more ice cream. I remember my cousin said that one year she wanted to lose some weight. I'm not going to eat any more ice cream. Within a day or two, we saw her eating ice cream. We're like, wait, you just told us yesterday you weren't going to eat any. Oh, she's like, oh, well, next year, next year. Uh, but anyways, and, you know, we all go through that, right? That's normal. That's human. Uh, that's the human experience. We want to change, but the old man holds on so hard, doesn't he? And uh, the old man keeps us from changing. But we have Jesus. Uh, Jesus can help us. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you have power uh, to do the right thing. And... Um, you might say, well, I, you know, I come up with goals. <clears throat> I come up with a plan, but somehow it just doesn't work out. Somehow I don't change. I meant to change. I wrote up my goals. I wrote up my plan. And, um, and hey, it would be nice if the process of changing only involved having to write it down. <laughs> just say, I'm going to write down what I want to change. And then automatically, boom, presto, your life is different. The, the thing that we need to do to make the difference in our life, how do we change? The truth is, our ideas don't change our lives. Our actions are what change our lives. James chapter 1, verse number 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We hear things that sound good. We hear truth even. We, we think of ideas that, you know, man, if I could just... If I could just uh, get this in my life, if I implemented, started doing this, my life would be different. I would be on the right path. And you might say, well, you know, I need, I need to do that. I, I, and, uh, and, and I'm going to make up a plan. I'm going to come up with a, uh, a way to do it. But uh, if you don't actually do it, then you're not going to change. You have to follow through. It's a choice that we have to make. Um, you can come to church, that's good. You can get around good influences, that's good. But you're the one that has to be the, the, the one that makes that decision to change. And how do we become a doer? How do we change our life? 
How do we develop that close walk with the Lord? By the way, we need to emphasize spiritual things first, not weight loss or, you know, um, going to the gym or reading more books. All of those things are nothing wrong with having a New Year's resolution. But may we emphasize spiritual things first, because my friend, if you have a walk with the Lord that is vibrant, if you are changing as the Word of God is speaking to you and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, all of the other things will fall into place. What is important? The Word, what the Bible says. Um, you know, Paul even said bodily exercise profiteth little. It's important, I believe, in taking care of our vessel. I think it's uh, something I want to strive to do. And I think it's something that we should, we should work towards. But it's not the main focus. It's not the main focus. Um, you say, well, how do we become more like Jesus? How do we have that closer walk with God? How do we start doing the right things spiritually? And you might say, well, read the Bible, Pastor. That's how we do it. We read the Bible. Yes, many people read the Bible, but they have not changed. So reading the Bible alone is not the solution. We need to read the Bible differently than we have read it before. We need to read the Bible with an attitude and a spirit of humility and surrender to God. When we humble ourselves and we listen to God, he begins to illuminate our path. God doesn't illuminate the path of somebody who is resisting his word and his spirit. He illuminates the path of those that are humbly receiving the word of God. David said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Praise God for it. But you have to walk down the path too, okay? And uh, number one this morning, we'll get into it. But let's, let's just read a couple verses. Uh, James chapter 1. And we'll read uh, verses 20. Uh, we'll start in verse number 21. Let's read. Uh, start in verse number 19 and read down to verse 25. Verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Let's stand, I'm sorry. Let's stand for the reading. And then verse 20, you join me there. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive the word of with meekness, or uh, with meekness, the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was." But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We need to read the Bible this morning with a changed heart. A changed heart. Come to God with a clean heart. A changed heart. Number one, are you saved this morning? You know Jesus as your personal Savior. Has he, has he changed your life? And if he has, what is it that you've been doing that has been 
messing up your relationship with the Lord. Okay? Are you, uh, do you have a clean heart? Number two, we need to read the Bible with a yielded spirit. A yielded spirit. Lastly, we need to read the Bible with an obedient life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word today. Thank you for it. I pray that you'd help me, God, because I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to um, preach the word uh, the way I ought to preach it without your help, Lord. I cannot do it on my own. And so I pray that, God, you would speak through me, uh, speak to the hearts, get through in areas I I would not humanly understand uh, how to convey something. Uh, But, Lord, your spirit can supernaturally uh, make that, uh, that change or impact and conviction. Lord, I pray that your word would uh, come alive today to us. Help us to have the right attitude and spirit towards it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. We have to read the Bible with a clean heart. Jesus talked to and with thousands upon thousands of people. But not everybody understood him. Not everybody changed, did they? I think of one illustration of the rich young man that came to Jesus and uh, he wanted to be a disciple, but Jesus said, Well, go and sell all that you have to the poor. He didn't change, he didn't want what Jesus had to offer. Jesus, <clears throat> Jesus talked to the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious people. But the ones who understood him were the ones who had a heart to hear him. They listened with a teachable spirit. And they listened with a pure heart. Go with me to Matthew chapter number 13 this morning. What is a parable? Jesus used parables to talk to people. One of the ways that Jesus taught was through parables. Essentially, a parable is an earthly story. This is the, what I learned as a kid. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay, That's one real simple way of putting it. It was profound truth taught in a relatable way. A human way. Um, but as simple as the parables were, they were actually... Um, there was truth there that people could not see. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, Jesus said, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? That's an example of a parable. He's basically saying, Why are you worried about somebody else's little problem? They've got a little toothpick, you know, in their eye. When you have a two-by-four sticking out of your eye, But that's how some of us are. We look at other people and their little problem, and yet we have a glaring issue in our life. Jesus teaching a profound truth in a simple way. Um, Why did Jesus teach in parables? Well, Matthew 13, verse number 10, he explains this. The Bible says, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, uh, we're in Matthew 13, verse 11, in case I uh, wasn't real clear there. If you could turn there, we'll look at a few verses here. 
He says, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seen, see not. And hearing, they hear not. Neither do they understand. And then in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye, ye shall hear, and shall understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross. <laughs> what does that mean? It's waxed gross. It's become fat. Their heart has become fat. Uh, John Gill puts us this, this way. They've become stupid and sottish and without understanding, and so incapable of taking in the true sense and meaning of what they saw with their eyes. If you're a know-it-all, hopefully soon you will come to know that you don't know it all. You know, I've been accused of that as a child. You're a know-it-all. Have you ever heard that before? You might have had, had to tell somebody that. Maybe your kids. Stop acting like that. You're acting like a know-it-all. You think you know it all. But the truth is, the more that we actually learn, the greater our understanding is that we don't really know much. remember writing a, uh, something about this uh, maybe last year, the year before in college, um, about building a library. And the more books I got, the more uh, the, the reality became that there's so much information, there's no human way I could possibly learn all of it. And it, and it helps us hopefully to see that, visualize all of the books in the library, to just take a moment, take a breath, and say, you know what? There's somebody out there that actually knows more than I do. There's a lot of somebodies that know more than I do. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Word of God is a living book, and it doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, just like Jesus. But it's the truth that every day we read it, we can learn something new because it's alive, and our understanding grows. And as we grow spiritually, we begin to see things that we didn't see maybe last year or the year before, and there's always something we can learn. And by the way, you can learn something from everybody. You can learn something from everybody. Uh, you know, uh, I, I can learn sometimes how to do something or maybe what not to do by looking at somebody's life. And if we would be humble and realize we don't know everything, then I believe uh, we can come to the place where God has said, yes, you now have a teachable spirit and I want to give you uh, more uh, wisdom. And, and if you're applying it to your life, uh, God will heap upon you more and more and more. But when you have taken in and taken in and taken in and you have become filled with pride, then there comes a point where you will not see simple things. Simple things. Jesus was talking about people who were hearing truth, but they did not think that their uh, the truth that they were hearing applied to their life. You know, that's how sometimes we are. We sit in church and we hear a message and it's the word, it's truth, but we start thinking, well, 
thank God I'm not like brother so-and-so because they're the one that needs to hear this. They're the one that is struggling with this. And yet, in reality, if we would be humble, we could get something out of that truth for our life because it all applies to us. Each of us need to apply the word of God to our life and be humble when we take uh, what the word is saying. There are people in this room who come to church, they read their Bible, they memorize their Bible, they know their Bible, but it is not changing their life. Why? Because their heart is not clean. Their heart is filled with pride and they're not able to apply that truth to their life. They won't apply it to their life. We become, it's a dangerous thing when people become filled with the word, but they're not applying it to their life because they become filled with pride. And they become uh, somebody that uh, you really don't want to be around. I've known a lot of Pharisees in my life. They look down on people. They're judgmental. And they, uh, they use the word as a way to hurt others. My friend, just take it humbly. Receive what the word of God says. He says here, if we continue reading verse number uh, 15. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their hearts and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are ye, uh, are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen them, and hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Albert Barnes says that the people Jesus is talking about here were so corrupt in their hearts. Their lives were filled with sensuality. And, and they were not able to see or understand the pure spiritual principles of the gospel. I don't care how intelligent you are. I don't care how much Bible you know. I don't care how much you've committed to memory. I don't care how much you even uh, serve God. If our hearts are not clean and pure... If we're not ready to hear the word, then we're not changing in the place that it needs to be changing. Our life needs to change from the inside out. Like I said before, we get so concerned about the outside. We get so concerned about what people see, yet we don't give as much attention to where we really need to give much attention. That is to where God sees the inside, who we are on the inside. So a corrupt mind, a mind full of sensuality and wickedness is not favorable to the reception of truth. It is not ready to see the beauty of that truth. They cannot appreciate its value because of a heart that's not clean. Go back to James chapter 1. And this is our text. So James 1 verse 21. James says here, Wherefore? Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Well, what is he talking about? What is superfluity of naughtiness? It literally means leftover sins. 
literally means hangover sins, sins that are left over. People get saved, and they basically change. Uh, and they might change a lot. I've seen people that have, have, have had great uh, changes in their life when Jesus moved in, and praise God for that, and the evidence of salvation. But they didn't go all the way. We have a tendency to hold on to things. The devil puts thoughts in our mind like, well, you've changed enough. <laughs> or you could never change everything. You have to uh, realize that you're only human. You can't be perfect. Everybody has something that they do wrong. Everybody sins. Well, that is true. We all are sinners. But when you get saved, you become a different person. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, uh, if any man be in Christ, you know the rest of the verse? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen. You change, and we change from the inside out, but everything on the inside has uh, not changed until we give it all to Jesus. I, I mean, I believe there's people that can be saved. And truly saved, born again. They, they've, they trusted Jesus. They, they came to him and they said, I know I'm a sinner. Please save me, forgive me of my sins. And salvation is uh, a very simple thing. It's not complicated, okay? Uh, and anybody can be saved. Jesus died for all. And God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should be saved. And, and it's not necessarily, uh, it, it is very simple. You come in faith, receive forgiveness of sins, but you have to admit that you're a sinner, okay? And I believe people have done that, but yet, uh, yet in their growth process, they began to say no to God somewhere. They turned God away. They said, you know what? I've gone far enough. You have enough of me, God. And that's a wicked, wicked spirit to have as a Christian. There's people that get saved and they basically just hold on to their old habits. Certain things they haven't given up. I think of the prodigal son. Do you remember the prodigal son? When he came back home, guess what he didn't keep? He didn't keep his old, ragged, tattered clothes. He embraced the robe that his father gave him. He put that robe on. I think of that song, The Windows of Heaven Are Open. Do you know that song? The windows of heaven are open. The blessings are falling today. There's joy, joy, joy in my heart since Jesus took my sins away. Uh, I gave him my old, what? Tattered garments. He gave me what? A robe. And I'm feasting on manna from heaven. The blessings are falling tonight or today, depending on when you're singing. So the prodigal son didn't keep his old tattered garment. Yeah, do you think he put that up in the closet and said, you know what? Yeah, once in a while I just like to wear that because I like how it feels. But that's how we treat sin. I mean, he may have kept it just as a reminder. You know what? Uh, that was a bad time in my life. Praise God that I got my thinking straightened out, humbled myself, came back to my father. But I doubt he wore it. Those, it wasn't just, you know, we think, oh, it was just you know, a little a few tears and a, a few uh, 
cuts in it, you know. It probably stunk, you know. He was down eating the hog slop. It wasn't a good time in his life. And neither was the day before you got saved. Praise God for the day you did get saved. That was a change. That was a new day of new beginnings. Changes are needed. We can't stay the way we came. God wants us to change. And unfortunately, that's not something that is uh, even being taught in churches nowadays. Come as you are, stay as you came. No, my friend, when Jesus comes, he takes it all away. If you give it to him, give him all that you uh, did before you got saved. Lazarus, I think about Lazarus, uh, when he was raised from the dead, Jesus told him to remove the grave clothes. Remove the grave clothes. Do you think that Lazarus wanted to keep those grave clothes on once he came back to life? We cannot hold on to the old sins. We, we got to give those up to the Lord. Give them up to God. Uh, just stop listening to the devil who's saying, you can't, you can't, you can't. And say, I cannot, but Jesus can. I can, as Paul said in Philippians 4, I can do all things in Christ, through Christ, which strengthens me. I have power uh, by God's grace to change what needs to be changed. Uh, you need to lay apart that sin. Look at that verse again, verse 21. James says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. Not some filthiness. Ah, not, 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 well, just, yeah, just a few things. Pick out a few things and then put them aside. He says, lay aside all, lay apart all filthiness. All filthiness. All that sin, so that you can receive the word of God. Do you see how this is key? Do you know why so many Christians are not receiving? They, they might say, well, I'm just not being fed. I've heard that before. I don't think it's been said to me, but it's coming, you know. I remember a lady said it to my dad one time. I'm like, I'm just not being fed, Pastor. People have thought it here, I'm sure. They just haven't. I'm just, I'm a, you know, they're afraid to come and tell me that, you know. I'm, I'm just, I'm, a, I'm an imposing, uh, scary person, I think. And they just don't want to tell me that. Nowadays, they'll just text you, you know. Or they'll leave a comment on YouTube. Um, <clears throat> nobody braver than somebody behind a, com- a computer keyboard, right? And that's, that's, real, uh, that's real tough, you know. But you know, Pastor, I'm just not being fed. My friend, if you only ate physically a couple times a week, you're going to starve. Whose job is it to feed yourself? You have to feed yourself. Who's, is it my, do I need to come over to your home every single day and say, Hello, it's Pastor Hoover. Pastor Hoover's here. I'm ready to give you your daily devotional. I mean, I might need to text you. I don't know. But, you know, Pastor, I'm not being fed because you haven't been feeding me. Well, part of the problem is that you're not coming to church when we have service. And some people don't have perfect attendance, okay? Sorry. Some people skipped out today. But you got to be here. 
You've been saved. Praise God for that. But you can't just say, stay the same forever. What happened on the inside should start making an impact on the outside. Amen? Amen. And um, he says, lay apart so you can receive the word of God. We need to have, uh, we need to read the Bible with a clean heart. Let's look at that word filthiness. (laughs) Okay? Uh, Verse number 21. Lay apart all filthiness. Uh, It's the Greek word raparia. Which is basically, to give you an idea, to give you an idea of how filthy, it literally means earwax. Earwax. You know when you get earwax buildup? Nobody, I'm sure, has ever had that problem. But if you get that problem in your ear, what, what starts to happen? You can't hear. When you get junk built up in your life, and you start living for self again, you say, well, praise God I got saved. That was a good day. But why can't every day be a day of revival and change in your life? What? I, you know, I got, I'm asking myself that same question. Why can't we just live as if it was the day we got saved? What changed? Did Jesus change? Did the gospel change? Did the Holy Spirit change? Did God change somehow? Now, Pastor now, now you're putting the cookies down on the lower shelf. And normally I like cookies, but I don't like it when you put the cookies on the lower shelf. You know, now, now you, as my dad says, now you quit preaching and you've gone to meddling. Now you're really messing. I don't like that, Pastor. I'm sorry, we'll get the earwax buildup out of your spiritual ears. May we all do that this year. People talk to us, we don't understand that's why some people stop coming to church. They're not excited about the things of God anymore. Because something changed. Secondly, we need to read the Bible with a yielded spirit. Verse 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with, say it next word with me, with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. We need to receive with meekness. The way to understand doctrine is to yield your will. I'm going to read John 7, 17. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. When you surrender your will... You have a teachable spirit, and you're ready to really, when you are really want to know, when you have a clean heart and a teachable spirit, then you are receiving with meekness the engrafted word. And the word gets in. The word gets into your life. It becomes a part of you. It is engrafted. It takes root in your life. Too many Christians live a shallow Christianity. And I'm going to say that part of the problem is the church's fault. We are not discipling the way we ought to be. We don't know how to disciple. You know why? Because some of us weren't discipled. First of all, my friend, be here. We've already gone over that. Be here. Come to Sunday school. Don't just say, oh, I don't understand the word. Come to Sunday school. Be a part of what we're doing here. I say, well, I don't get much out of it. Well, what are you putting into it? What are you putting into it? And don't be like some people. 
well, I should be teaching the Sunday school class. I know so much. Now, you obviously are not learning. You obviously have not grown to the place where you should be teaching. Hmm? Do you want to grow? Then you have to put in the work. You've got to yield yourself. You have to become uh, teachable. You have to do the will of God. When God speaks to you, don't question it. If it's the Word, if it's the Spirit, if, it, if, if the Spirit is speaking to you and the Word of God is upholding what you are feeling and hearing, then you need to do it. The Word of God is something that we need to obey. Uh, thirdly, we need to read the Bible with an obedient life. Verse 22, But be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. James says that if you hear the word and you don't respond to the word in obedience, you are self-deceived. If you hear these things but you don't do these things, do you know what Jesus calls you? Matthew seven twenty six: Whoso heareth my word and doeth it not is like unto a foolish man. Jesus calls you a fool. You hear the word, you hear the truth, and you say, that's for someone else. Put it in your life. Add it to your life. Change your life. By God's grace, you can. You can. Uh, when a man is a hearer, not a doer, he commits a crime against himself. He thinks that he's getting spiritual. He thinks that he's doing something right. After all, he came to church. After all, uh, he's here. He's singing. But he does not put the message into practice. Something terrible happens to him. Uh, Adrian Rogers has said, I don't know if this is his quote, but he has said it. Impression without expression leads to depression. When you've been given truth and you refuse to change, your life will become a life of depression. Spiritually depressed, it can even uh, affect us emotionally. But I know too many people that quit serving the Lord and they quit reading the Bible and they quit coming to church because they just didn't have the will to change. you got to follow after the Lord. Follow after Jesus. That is the goal. We have to become like Christ. You know, the best compliment that you could give me as your pastor, the best compliment that you can pay me and my sermon is a life that is changing. By the way, we're never going to reach perfection in this world. I don't believe. I believe spiritually we are perfect before God because of Jesus. Okay? But there are some things that uh, positionally we're, we are perfect before God. We are set apart. We're sanctified. But there is a process of sanctification that goes on in our life because of the choices that you and I have to make when we grow. Because not every Christian grows because they don't have a heart to. But God is pleased when we do yield to him and we begin that process of sanctification and we begin to grow and that is the greatest blessing for a pastor to see people live what they believe. The way to prove that you believe the Bible is to obey it. Don't tell me you believe the Bible if you're not living it. Got to live it. 
Life change. Life change. You may say, Pastor, oh, there's a lot going on in my life right now. Let's, let's turn down the noise. Let's turn off the things that are not important. Again, going back to the spiritual things. You may say, well, Pastor, I got a lot on my, my New Year's resolution list. There's a lot I'm trying to do. I'm not, a lot I'm trying to change. Focus on your relationship with God first. The rest will fall into place. You will not live a life of regret if you put Jesus first in your life. You're not going to be someday, if you have an opportunity to be on a deathbed, and hopefully it's not a, a, a time of pain, and I hope it's not a time of regret. But when you have a moment to reflect at the end of your life, God gives you that opportunity. And you decided today that I'm going to live for God. I'm just going to give him this, this day. And I'm going to give him tomorrow if I get tomorrow. But I'm going to give him the year if I get this year. And every day, one day at a time, I'm just going to do what God tells me to do. You will not have regret at the end of your life. And praise God for that. You know who's going to have regret are those that decided to squander their life. The life, the life that we've been given is not very long. I'd like to think it's long. How many of you that are older would say it's not very long? My dad said you blink and you're 65. It's hard to believe that. But some of you that have lived a long life know that we don't have a lot of time. It's gone before we know it. So don't squander it. Don't squander it. Uh, Don't tell me that you believe the Bible if you don't obey it. You don't believe it. Here's a simple test. If your knowledge of the Bible is not making you more like the Lord Jesus Christ, then you've tricked yourself. You should ask for a refund. You need to have a life that reflects Jesus. Jesus doesn't do some of the things that some of the hypocritical Christians do. Some of the people I've seen that are filled with Bible knowledge, they they have a, a terrible spirit about them. They have a complaining spirit. Woe is me on that one, right? We all can complain. Forgive me, God, for doing that. But Jesus didn't complain. Uh, Some people say, well, I know my Bible better than everyone at that church. I've heard that recently. Jesus doesn't brag. Humble, humble, humble. Hmm? Are we becoming more like Jesus? Are we becoming a a worse version of a person that we should not be? We need to be clean. Clean uh, clean your life up by God's grace. Ask Him for help. You can do it. By God's grace, you can do what you need to. Uh, We need to be clean. We need to be yielded to the, uh, the Spirit of God. A yielded spirit. Yielded to the Word. And then we need to be obedient. We have to put it into practice. For some, that's going to be hard. You've lived a long life. You've got a lot that needs a lot of growth yet, okay? You've got some habits that have been, uh, you've developed over many years. But by God's grace, we can change it. Let's, let's learn what the Word of God is saying, apply it to our life, and then we step out in faith and do it. If you do those three things, if you live a clean 
Uh, if you clean, read the word with a clean heart, a yielded spirit, and an obedient life, the book will come alive to you. It will become alive to you. This is your best friend right here. This is your best friend. I, you know, there's other good Christian literature. There's good Christian resources. But the best thing that we can do is to get into the book. Have you read it from Genesis to Revelation? Have you done that? Just start. Just start. Today is the day that we start our new journey through the Word of God. And if you, you say, well, I did that once and it didn't work. Start. Start it again. If it takes you two years, it takes you two years. Don't give up, but read the Bible. It's, it, this is the best thing that you could give yourself or anyone else in your home. This is the best thing you can do for your family. Mom, Dad, the best thing that you can do for your children. The best thing that you can do for your church, for your Sunday school class, for your community, for your neighbors, for your coworkers. Read the Word. Let it become a part of you. Let it change your life. Let it affect you like never before. Father, I pray that you bless as we close, Lord, and we ask that you would help us as we come to you on this, in this new year. In reality, all of us need to pray today. All of us need to change. We're not going to plateau. We're not going to find sinless perfection. All of us will struggle, but we can have victory. And the victory is found in Jesus. So, Father, I pray that if there's someone here today that is not yet saved, that today we could witness to them, testify from the word of Scripture, the truth. All have sinned. All are sinners in need of a Savior. And thank God for Jesus, your Son, who died on the cross. He was buried and He rose again so that we could be saved, forgiven forever from our sins. So, Lord, if I pray, I pray if there's someone here that's not yet saved, of course, you know each heart, God. You know what the need is. I pray that today that they would come to Jesus, that you'd bring that conviction there. Lord, I pray for um, every Christian that's in this room. Help us, God, in our journey. Help us to stay humble, to realize that we all need help. That's why we have a church. This is not some museum. This is not some fashion show. This is not a beauty contest. This is a place that we come for healing and help. Help us to to realize that and stay humble in our walk. Lord, help us to be uh, like Jesus. Humble. Serving. Forgiving. Loving. Help us to change today. May we not be deceived. May we not be deceived. Father, I pray um, that you would bless this time of invitation. Use it in our lives, in our church. In Jesus' name, amen.